We've had black cat superstitions and asking his players to think like squirrels. But despite the best efforts of Fiona Seidevel, Arsenal women ended the season without a trophy. I'm Molly Hudson from The Times and joining me today to take a look back at the campaign is The Athletics Art de Rocher, Susie Rack from The Guardian and for the first time, Catherine Batty from The Daily Mail. about anyone else but I'm still recovering from yesterday and the trophy changing hands five times over the course of 90 minutes. Fair to say I'm not giving away any spoilers to reveal that eventually Chelsea prevailed and Arsenal came agonisingly short for first trophy under Idevel finishing just one point behind despite a 2-0 win over West Ham. I know most of us were at Chelsea saw you all there but Art you were at Dagenham um it sounds like you had a, a fun trip just to get to Dagenham. Um, <laughs> but what was it like and how much did you hate us when we was posting the score in the WhatsApp chat? To be fair, it wasn't just you guys. Um, it was pretty much everyone in the stadium because um, obviously, as you guys probably know, uh, the press box at the Dagenham Stadium is like right next to the benches. Um, so you look over and Jordan Nobbs has the game up on her phone, streaming it. Um, and then the Arsenal fans, obviously, that travelled, um, they they basically gave away what the score was <laughs> whenever whenever they found out United had scored. Um, so to be fair, in the first half, um, it was quite fun. But then, yeah, it got dead quite quickly in the second half, um, which I guess you guys can imagine. Yeah, it was um, it was fun being sat next to Susie, I should say Arsenal fan Susie, in the press box at Chelsea, just having the most awful time, knowing that Chelsea women would be quite good for us winning because we're there, but very very bad for Arsenal fans. Yeah, it was hard, but the thing is, is we always knew that. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I always knew that Chelsea were going to win that game, regardless of how many goals they went down. I mean, it just, like, that result just spoke to their season generally, like, particularly the the last nine games, the last nine games which they've won on the trot, um, where they, like, just showed a sort of grit um, and determination to not give up the title um, that... I think they've not been sort of not been to show before um, in the same way because the league's not been as competitive. Um, so yeah, so from that point of view, like from the Arsenal fan, fan point of view, it was nice to see United score, but it just annoyed me because I didn't need that hope when I knew they were going to come back anyway. Um, especially as you know, you look at the strength of Chelsea's bench. I mean, they brought on G and Beth England at half time, and you look at United's, and you know the depth just isn't there yet at United. So it was never going to be um, a case of United being able to do Arsenal favour, even if they wanted to uh, to get the result. Um, so from that point, yeah, from a writer's point of view, it was annoying that United scored because it just delayed the inevitable um, and made our jobs very, very difficult. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Arsenal were their own worst enemies this season. 
Right, Catherine, I'm going to start with you. As you're new to the show, you can have first shot at a season report. Now, are we giving Idaville a score out of 10? Are we giving him a grade GCSE style? I'm too old now. They've changed, haven't they? Hasn't it changed to numbers now, not letters? Uh, I don't know what you want to go with. Um, maybe a, a bit of an explanation of, of what you thought of, of Arsenal this season. Are you seriously saying that you're old? I'm not having that. Yes. <laughs> she is to me. <laughs> I'll go away, all of you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the new number system works because I think the high, I can't remember if it's higher numbers are better and uh, than lower numbers. So I think I'm going to start with letters because that makes more sense. Um, I'm going to give him a B plus, not quite an A for Arsenal because I think he started really strongly, and then as sort of Susie was alluding to there, I think they let themselves down at times. I mean, they could have won the title if they'd not lost that game against Birmingham drop points against United when they probably could have, you know, beaten them as well. And um, I think they just let that period over December and January get to them where they lost the cup final. Um, they had that weird game in Hoffenheim where they almost went out of the Champions League and just scraped through. And then they came back for New Year and didn't get going straight away, then had that draw at Man City as well, um, which we were kind of a little bit lucky to get a point from. But then they came back really strongly and they had that nil-nil at Chelsea. And then as um, we were sort of going through the results yesterday, after that that draw, both teams won every game till the end of the season. So they couldn't have done much more from that point onwards. It was just a case of Chelsea not dropping points. So I think as a first season in the WSL, I think it's it's a pretty good start for him. And um, he'll obviously be hoping to build on that next season. Oh, you've probably been at more games than the rest of us who have been sort of hopping about all over the country. Um, what have you made of it? And I suppose he's, he's good value impressors, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, I think pro- it's probably quite similar to Catherine where um, I'd say probably a, a B plus is a fair grade, I guess, if we, if we're going with that system and it's quite, um, I don't know if strange is the word, but when you look back to last season, it was also those winter months that really hurt Arsenal. Um, obviously, the reasons were slightly different, but you think back to, I think it was a draw at Reading and then obviously the back-to-back losses to um, Chelsea and City in about around January, February. Um, it's, I'm not sure, just similar similar um, time frame. they seem to just slip a little bit and I think maybe that's something that maybe looked at going into next season but obviously I think Idaval had clear almost points that he wanted to address going into this season to to bridge that gap um one being how they defended as a unit and that improved throughout the season I think the prime example of that was the first leg in the Champions League against uh Wolfsburg where they were fairly comfortable throughout that game, uh, both on and off the ball. And then obviously I think he mentioned this very early in one of his press conferences that he wanted to improve the way they play out from pressure, um, play out the back. And I think they did that particularly well um, when they came up against Chelsea and City in those big head-to-head games, which is one of the major kind of improvements they've made um, this year compared to last but as you said, as Catherine said, there's probably still um, still some room to go. Um, and I think obviously Arsenal have shown, have proven they 
feel like Jonas is the person to do that with his new contract last week. Um, and I think um, definitely an encouraging start. Um, but obviously, there's going to be a few more um, steps to make. And Susie, what about you? Because we've basically spent most of our year at either Arsenal or Chelsea. Are you surprised at how close it's been? And do you agree on the grade? Would you go higher or lower? Yeah, no, as Catherine was deciding, I was thinking B plus myself. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. B plus, A minus kind of type level, isn't it, really? Um, you know, not quite there, but real promising uh, signs. Um, I mean, the fact that they they finished seven points ahead of um, ahead of their like position last season shows that there's been like significant improvement. The fact that they got four points from Chelsea, City, and United, where you know previously struggled against those teams. Again, another really good sign that um, that some of the issues that they had are being resolved, um, which I think is the key. As long as you can see sort of signs of progress and things uh changing then um you know you know you can sort of give a fairly positive review like i spoke i sat down did a big sit down with um jonas a couple of weeks ago and he was very much like i said you know would you consider this season a failure if um if you come away without a trophy and he and he was very much like you know where his first question he fired a question straight back at me where were we last season and obviously third, you know, miles off second, well, seven points off second. Um, and, um, uh, you know, uh, running it close for even getting in the Champions League. So the fact that they, you know, he was very much like, you know, this is a progress, it's my first season, uh, it's a process, it's my first season, um, you know, we're still um, developing a style of play, Um you know, you can't expect players to necessarily adapt to the way I want to play. I've got to work with the players that I've got, that kind of thing. That You know, it's it, it takes time for a new manager to embed a philosophy and uh, get results. So, if anything, maybe they've overachieved in, um, in being in a title race to the end of the season. I, I don't know if many would have expected them with a new manager in place um and you know the like the situation they found themselves in 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 january in particular to have have run it this close um or have had the blistering start um so yeah if anything maybe that they've overachieved for where where they maybe could have been given like kind of circumstances of the the turnaround um which is an interesting way of looking at it because obviously like you know they've got to the end of the season are very very disappointed to have not won a title if anything gave it away to a certain extent that 3-0 loss to Birmingham was really the game that that did it um of any of them um so yeah so I suppose it depends which lens you look at it through and yeah I'd go with the the positive one and I suppose being completely honest, I didn't know a great deal about Jonas before he came here. I, I think I'm fair to say that none of us really did. Um, 
what have what have we made of him? Because I I kind of didn't notice yesterday in amongst all of the celebrations, but um, Erin Cuthbert and Millie Bright sort of reenacted his knee slide at the Emirates in their um, trophy celebrations, which was clearly showing that he made a bit of an impact on that opening day. Um, Catherine, do, do we think that that's a good thing? Is it good to have a, a kind of another personality in the league? And I suppose, how have you, how have you found him uh, in the media as well? Because I don't think he did much at all before he came here. And I suppose he's, he's had the un- pleasure or not pleasure of, of seeing us every few days this season. I, I think he's been great in that respect. I think... Um, I just think he's got a great personality and I think we've been used to a while for kind of relying on Emma Hayes to give us those lines, I guess, as journalists and give us those, you know, funny quips and stories and uh, maybe kind of throw a, throw a, not a dig, but like throw something at a team or something like that. Whereas those rivals that she had before in, in Joe, obviously Joe Montemar and one of the nicest guys ever, but wasn't really ever going to engage in kind of much off, off the pitch, maybe a little bit, but too nice. not quite as much as, yeah, a little bit too nice. Gareth Taylor's the same, a little bit too nice. Um, whereas Jonas, I think, is very much up for, um, not mind games, but kind of engaging in that rivalry a bit. And I know they play the rivalry down, but I think we've, ha- we've seen a lot of it this year where one of them said something in a press conference a few days later, the other one said something in a press conference. And it's not been directly that, you know, it's not been necessarily directed at the other one they've not mentioned the name but we know we know where it's you know we know it's been meant that way um I think Jonas obviously talked about the scheduling with Chelsea and then um Covid postponements and then Emma going back about managers kind of um managing game load of players and there's been back and forth throughout the season and I think I think that just adds to the the drama off the pitch, I suppose, and um, I actually think he's quite quite funny in a in a like without meaning to be, but he's kind of like got quite a dry sense of humour, and I quite like the fact that he doesn't give you much in terms of he's not he's never going to tell you what system he's going to play at the weekend or you know who's going to play and who's not going to play, but he'll tell you sort of funny stories that aren't necessarily relevant to the match but are quite nice to hear. So um, I think he's been great and. I quite like that that rivalry is building and I think it's only going to kind of get stronger as we go through to next season. One of the most surreal moments, I think, of the season was uh, Emma Hayes purring in a press conference because of Jonas and his uh, black cat superstitions. He's not a fan uh, for anyone that missed that. Um, Art, does it feel, uh, Catherine was talking there about that rivalry and sometimes we we spend a bit of time relying on Emma Hayes to say something a bit a bit controversial. Does it feel a bit more like the men's game, what Jonas brings? He's he's pretty honest and he doesn't mind a, a bit of kind of getting straight to the point and a bit of a dig at the managers if he if he feels like he needs to. Yeah, it's quite it's quite funny because as you mentioned, you guys mentioned about Joe, he's very much stayed away from that. But with Jonas, I think, especially in these last few weeks, um when say considering um postponements of games and stuff like that, you can tell when he has something that he wants to get off his chest. Almost very uh Rafa Benitez like I don't know if you guys remember around I think it was when Liverpool were going for the title in 2009 and he came to a press conference with a bunch of facts that he just wanted to reel off. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think to be fair, it, it just kind of adds to the spectacle really. And I think the one thing that kind of helps it is it's not almost an act. You can tell it's quite genuine that it's something that it's something that he might want to address that he doesn't believe is being addressed enough, maybe. Um, like I guess the example most recently was the whole one ball system thing that he brought up on his own accord. Um, and it is something that's quite interesting that I don't think many people would have thought about beforehand. Um, so it is quite um, good in that sense as well. That's actually, when you're going to those press conferences, it can be quite thought provoking at times as well. Um, not just in terms of um, what's going to happen in the title race, but in a wider sense of what is actually going on in the game as well. Um, so from that point of view, I've really enjoyed um, his, I guess, media presence um, this season and um, hopefully it continues like that. And I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I know you're a big fan of the uh, tactics, our resident tactics expert. And um, I know he's been pretty good with you this season, but I think something that I saw he said yesterday about potentially training with the under 16 boys to try and close that gap a little bit, particularly in the Champions League. Um, can you explain a little bit about, about what you said there? Uh, yeah, so basically the um, it was another one where he almost just brought it up by himself, um, asked him what kind of areas he wanted to see, um, basically evolution of, of the side going into next year. And I think he mentioned it to you a few it might have been weeks or months ago, Molly, where he mentioned that um, teams in Europe man mark a lot more often. And then obviously he he's probably had that on his mind since then and he's wanting to bring it up. Um, and he mentioned that to, to actually improve against those teams that man mark, uh, it may be good to um, have practice sessions or internal matches with the, the men's academy teams. So obviously not... Um, too old he said probably under 15s to 16s is usually a good age because not everyone in those squads would have developed fully developed physically and even though they may be a little faster for instance than the women's uh, players it's not impossible to play against so that when they finally do get into those situations when they're under intense pressure in those Champions League games like they were for instance against Barcelona in both group stage games they're almost used to that and maybe they will feel like they have more time on the ball um, to deal with that pressure um, and I think yeah it was just another one where it's quite an interesting perspective because um, I don't think that's been done in England particularly that much um, I think uh, Tim Stillman mentioned it had been done uh, at Barcelona, for instance, but um, in England, I don't think it's been done too often. So it'd be quite interesting to see how that develops alongside other things. And I don't think we can do a Arsenal season review without mentioning Viv, uh, Viv Miedemark. She dominated a fair bit of the BBC coverage yesterday about her future. This season, she still scored 14 goals and eight assists, but finished second top scorer to Sam Kerr, who 
alongside her worldies, has also scored 20 goals this season. In that coverage yesterday, Susie, she said she wants to win trophies. Obviously, it's another season that she's gone trophyless at Arsenal. Would you understand if she left, particularly you as an Arsenal fan and as a big Viv fan, I think it's fair to say? Yeah, I mean, she's a phenomenal player, isn't she? Like, it's just, it'd be sad for the league as a whole, I think, if she went, because she's just great to watch, um, like, regardless of what team you support. She's had a, like, perhaps underwhelming season by, like, the really high standards that she's got, but um, she's still phenomenal. She's, like, despite that, she's got 14 goals and eight assists. Um, and I think if she went, I mean, the Arsenal fan of me would not begrudge her it, like... I think that it if it, it doesn't feel like the end in that if she stayed and committed, I think, you know, like it'd be a beautiful thing. It would really strengthen the team going into new season. Um, I'm really enjoying her watching play in that number ten role with uh Cena Blackstenius um ahead of her. She looks happier there. I know that's a role that she likes to play. Um, you know, it's where she started in the number 10 um, and, you know, she sort of got moved further forward, like almost slightly against her will when she was younger. Um, so, you know, you'd like to think that maybe she's enjoying her football more playing in that position. But, um, you know, if Arsenal can't match her ambition in the immediate, um, then you can sort of understand why she might want to go to get trophies. Like, I'm not saying that Arsenal won't win trophies or won't win the league, but you know, Viv's someone who wants to be winning every single season um, and Arsenal are very much at the beginning of a journey with Jonas um, and that for me is the issue. I think if Arsenal were sort of, you know, two, three years down the line of their development with Jonas in place, with, you know, all this new backroom staff that's coming in, with the team training with the men's youth teams already for a number of years, if, if everything was just moved a step further on um then i you know then i could see her staying um and wanting to be a part of um the success of the club given that you know it's not trophies sort of now it's not necessarily competing for the champions league title now then um then i sort of you know can see why she would want to want to go you know she's she's still very very young but you know also she's given a lot of time to arsenal has been a big part of the development and um, the success, despite I've you know left more inferior resources to the other top three for a number of years, uh, or the other top two for a number of years, um, and having her and her driving success, sort of despite the team maybe not having the backing that it quite deserved for a number of years, has helped drive the demand for those resources so she's like played a really important role in this like development cycle of arsenal i'd love to see her stay but if she went i I, like wouldn't begrudge her it you know she's done a lot for the club we've loved watching her play you know she's written herself into the history books um in english football um at arsenal and yeah i mean it would be sad but arsenal is not going to be the club that is going to be necessarily challenging for a Champions League title next season and that may be where she wants to be.
And Catherine, how, uh, I think you touched on it there in terms of the standards that we maybe hold Viv to. Um, still finished second top scorer, but I can't really think of a game this season where I thought, wow, that was incredible. Actually, maybe that opening day, she actually made a, re- a really good impact in that game, even though um, Beth obviously got the headlines with her two goals. But she looked great then. Um, what have you made of her this season? And do you think it would be as big of a loss as maybe last season when it felt like they were more reliant on her solely? Yeah, I was thinking that opening day was probably the the probably one of her best performances of the season. Um, and then I think I think maybe last last season there was more of a burden on Viv to kind of do everything. And this season she's been able to obviously, you know, play that number 10 role and just sort of play her own game a little bit more. And that's maybe why we think she's not had as good of a season because last season she was doing everything. And this season she's not had to do that because others have kind of stepped up. So in that sense, I guess maybe the loss wouldn't be quite as big now because you can see the foundations that are being built around, but she would obviously leave a big hole because a lot of those foundations have been built around her. And, as, you know, as, as Susie was kind of saying, I think, you could understand it if she wanted to go, say she wanted to go to Barcelona or to Lyon and she could go and win the Champions League next season if that's what she wants to do. But the way I look at it is if she, you know, she's 25, you know, I think I'd maybe understand it a little bit more if she was 28, 29 and coming towards the end and it was almost a fear of, I might never win the Champions League if I don't go now. 25, I think, as we say, it'd be tough for Arsenal to really challenge for the Champions League next year, but maybe a couple of years time when she's 26, 27, maybe they could be in a place to win it, but it depends maybe what your priorities are. If you want to end your career with five or six Champions Leagues, or if you want to wait, be part of a building process and maybe win one, two, depending on how successful it is. So I think everyone, as you're saying, I think everyone could understand if she did want to leave, but there's maybe, there's not the pressure of her being at the end of her career. She's not even reached her peak yet, which is quite scary, to be honest, um, that she's probably even going to get better. And as you're saying, yeah, we do kind of hold her to ridiculous standards because we've seen her, you know, do ridiculous things. So we almost expect that every week. And if she doesn't quite get to that level, it's sort of like, oh, she's underperformed. But she's actually just had a good season rather than a ridiculously good season. We'll end with a bit of a Euros roundup. Um, We can't miss the the big home tournament looming in the summer. Um, I suppose three maybe key Arsenal players here Captain Leah, we've got Beth, who kind of was the big miss from from Team GB last summer and is suddenly, I think it's fair to say, going into this tournament as one of England's key players, certainly the the form that she's been in for Arsenal. And then Jordan Nobbs, who is injured at the moment. We don't know if she's going to be fit for the tournament, to be honest. We don't even know if she'll be selected for the tournament because she hasn't played a huge amount this season. So, Art, let me come to you. I don't know which one of those, uh, or more than one, you fancy discussing. But, yeah, what do you think about kind of England's chances and Arsenal's influence on that England team this summer? Um, I'll go with um, Beth, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think of any player, she's probably fit Jonas Edevar's style the most. Um, You've seen straight away he wanted to be aggressive and she fits that perfectly not just say with the ball because we know how direct she can be on, on the right or drifting inside, but also um, pressing from the front as well. She does the all round game so well. And 
so frequently that I think a lot of people almost just forget that I, I don't know like you can't really class her as a winger or a striker just a forward um that does everything well um so I think having a player like that in your team whether it's at club level or international level someone who's just relentless in what they do um helps you massively especially um if you're coming up against players uh in an international tournament who aren't as um say into their rhythm as say if they are in a league uh match where they're playing every week obviously some players may be coming in a little bit colder than usual so if they're up against someone who's harassing them for 90 minutes <laughs> they may struggle a little bit um but yeah I think she's probably been the one this year who's um benefited from Edeval and his kind of style the most and um you've seen that not just in goals and assists shot creation but um the defensive side of the game as well um so yeah big big summer for Beth Mead I reckon Susie, Leah or Jordan? Leah. Um, I mean, like, we don't really need to discuss it, do we? Um, you know, she's captain. She's been just so hugely influential uh, for Arsenal and now doing so for England. Um, she is, for me, the difference in Arsenal winning and losing the league this season. Like, if they had had her over that January period... Um, whilst in and December, whilst you know it wasn't necessarily the league games that were the the big blows to Arsenal in that time, um, you can't underestimate the influence, uh, the the impact of the cup losses and um, you know the heavy Champions League defeats uh, to Hoffenheim and Barcelona in that period, um, and the FA Cup final defeat to Chelsea um, on the league as well um, and the confidence of the team in that entire time. Um, it's not just her defensive ability, um, like it's, she makes players around her better. Um, you know, Lotta Wabamoy is a significantly better player alongside Leah Williamson than she is alongside anyone else. And I mean, obviously that's partly because Lotta is still very much growing um, into, you know, sort of a starting centre back role at, club um and um you know hasn't necessarily got the relationships um as deeply as she has with Leah having played with her at youth level for a very long time um but Leah's got a way of bringing players into the game uh, passing range is just so incredible that um yeah I mean for me you know and luckily for us for Serena Wiegmann she like has to be for England it's interesting that she will probably play further forward for England in the midfield role I will pivot with Kira Walsh um you know midfield is where she started out before Arsenal moved her back uh into the back line so um it gives Arsenal another option as much as it gives England another option um and versatility is the name of the game nowadays and Catherine, that leaves you with Jordan, which feels quite fitting because it does feel a bit like Jordan's been left behind a little bit this season. Um, a combination of injuries and maybe not quite settling into Jonas's style. What, what have you made of it? And do you think she'll go, go to the Euros this summer? 
Oh, it, hurt, it hurts my heart when Jordan Nobbs gets an injury because I just think back to the, the 2019 World Cup and her missing out. And when I, I remember when I think I saw your tweet, Molly, in the game when she when she went down and um, it, it was just, yeah, not good to, to hear. And hopefully she can be fit because I'd love her to make the squad. I don't think she would necessarily have a massive role to play, but I think she could have a big role off the pitch with, as a squad member with her experience. And obviously she's very well liked in the group as well. Um, but it's going to be really difficult for her to play a lot of games, I think, because as Susie was saying, now you're probably going to have Leah in that midfield with Kira. Then you've got Stanway and Toon, who've played a lot under Serena. And uh, maybe a little bit different to Jordan. So, you know, Jordan would offer something different um, and, you know, be a different option in that midfield in terms of linking defence to attack. But... Serena said, you know, quite a number of times that if you're not playing for your club and she wasn't necessarily playing that much for Arsenal before she got injured, you know, Serena said, if you're not playing, you're probably not going to get in the starting 11 and then you're going to be struggling to get in the squad. But I think we'd probably all love to see her go. And, um, you know, as I say, she could have a big presence off the pitch and, you know, be an option if the England got any injuries or needed something different. But obviously it's going to depend whether she's she's fit or not. I'm sure we'll hope to see all three of those and obviously Lotta as well um, taking part in that Euros this summer as well as a few from other nations. Now, the women's season may be over, but the men's team are at a pivotal point of their year and we'll be back to preview their trip to Spurs, which could see them qualify for the Champions League. Thanks for listening.